All right, everyone, welcome to episode 14 of the Backyard Banter Podcast. My name is Matt Harmon. I've been with you all 14 episodes. Well, I've brought some great guests along the way. But before we get to today's guest, I have to tell you that this podcast is sponsored by realitysportsonline.com, a powerful fantasy platform that lets you manage your fantasy team like an actual real-life NFL general manager. Use the promo code BYB10 for 10% off the platform fee. That's BYB followed by the numerals one and zero. Now, like I mentioned, we have another great guest here today. And uh, this one's a long, long list of accomplishments, uh, not to not to be remiss of the fact that he's the co-host of the Living the Stream podcast. We've already had the other one on, but now we're going to get the other one on here. Denny Carter, he's also the owner of Draft Day Consultants, which I now work for. He's also written a few books about about how to think like a daily fantasy winner and how to think like a fantasy football winner. And also, most importantly, he's the only other person on football Twitter that I bow to both in hair game and bad food takes. Denny, welcome <laughs> to the show. How are you doing? Uh, I'm, I'm great, Matt. Thanks for having me on. And, uh, and you know, more important to me than anything are my bad food takes. So that's that means a lot. No, as, and as somebody that... Uh, that also gets accused of having bad food takes. And, and most of mine are just like, I don't know. I, I'm probably a little bit more facetious about it than, than you are. I just, I like to be an annoying contrarian sometimes. And um, also mine are just like about that. I don't eat anything like that's unhealthy on a regular basis. Cause I'm trying to keep this body right. Right. Terrible start to the podcast. <laughs> no, no, this is, this is a point that I think that we don't make, or I, I've seen you make it here and there. But I, I'm weird about food in part because I'm so vain. Yeah. I'm, I'm just, I'm a vain guy. I mean, everybody who follows me on Twitter knows this, right? And Absolutely. so, like, the last thing that I'm going to do is, like, eat, you know, cake every day or, like, 10 cookies for dessert. Uh, you know, it's not that I don't like those things. It's just that I can live on unsalted almonds my whole life, really. <laughs> No, it, it really is true. And I, I actually do want to have like a, an in-depth discussion about that. But it's but it's uh, somewhat in-depth as much as in-depth you can be about bad food takes. But um, it's it's true. Uh, because I'm the same way. Like I, I've mentioned this before on Twitter, I'm actually gonna finally gonna write about it. Cause a few people have asked me to like, I used to be 315 pounds, I used to be ginormous. And uh, I now I'm 224 right now. And a lot of that is because I have I've had to change my lifestyle to make some really bad food takes. So no, I'm not interested in, <laughs> I'm not interested in your like Instagram pictures of pizza or whatever. Like that doesn't, it, I don't need that in my life. So there is, you know, yeah. And it, and it does all come back to vanity, obviously. And as I think I, we can definitely level on that trait, but um, anyways, <laughs> Denny. So I always ask the guests first question um, is how did you really come to, you know, quote unquote, fall in love with football, the fantasy football, that whole experience. Take us through your backstory there. Yeah. So I'll get to the fan, my fantasy start, I guess, in, in just a second. But um, I was uh, pretty, I was pretty much as a kid, uh, over the top obsessed with the NFL, um, you know, from the time I was, you know, nine years old to, you know, 17, 16, 17. I just I thought of nothing else but the Miami Dolphins. That was my that was my team. Even though I grew up in the I grew up in the DC area, so it doesn't make much sense except for that I liked the Amarino and I liked the Dolphins colors. So 
Well, you don't want to be a fan of the Washington team as somebody that also is from the DC area and is not a fan of that team. I can understand that. Yeah. Yeah. And well, and also, uh, during, during my, uh, during that span that I mentioned the, the Washington team was one of the worst franchises, uh, in the, in the, in the league. I mean, it was a really, really dark time in this area for football. So it makes sense. that. What do you mean was, I feel like it's still that way. (laughs) Yeah, I guess. Yeah, you're right. (laughs) Except for, you know, they have their future, uh, hall of famer and Kirk cousins who that's true. Definitely won't be playing for the Browns in three years, but anyway, the, um, getting back to, yeah. So I, I, it was a, it was really a thing with me and my dad, my dad and I would watch football, for ridiculous, uh, you know, sums of hours on on Sunday, uh, we'd watch. He would let me stay up for Monday night football, which was a disaster for my Tuesday school schedule. <laughs> so, uh, so it really, it really was like a like a true obsession for it, in that time. And so that's kind of how I got hooked. Nice, yeah. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, I think we can all kind of relate to that sort of experience of, oh, well, we'll sacrifice a few hours of school for football. Um, I do not miss that. Like being on the West coast, that is a huge, uh, that is a huge advantage. Like having the night games end and be like, I still have like hours of time to do stuff. I know I was in, so I, I went to Vegas for a work thing a couple, a couple years ago. And I saw, I watched a Monday night game. It was the Cardinals and the Seahawks, I think. And it was incredible. It was nine o'clock at night and it was over. And I had the whole night ahead of me. It was it was awesome. I mean, don't get me wrong. The West Coast uh, is an illegitimate time zone, and the East Coast is the only time zone. <laughs> it's the only time zone that counts. But but we'll just you know that's neither here nor there, I guess. Well, I mean, I'm still like I'm still new to the West Coast, so I don't know if I can sit here and like completely cape up for it. But I will anyways. Uh, yeah, no, it's 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 the the early start is obnoxious. Like when we had when we had the like. Um, the London game or whatever here for work, we had to be up at like some unseemly hour to, to be there. And that was disgusting. What time? Oh, it was like six 30. Like we had to be at, you know, at work at like the game started like six 30. So whoever took the game had to be there at like four for the inactives and stuff. It's terrible. And now they're talking about, and there's a whole other topic. Now they're talking about having a game in China. I don't even want it. Like we've already, we've guys have already talked about that. Like, who's going to go in for that game on like a, you know, midnight on a Saturday or whatever. You know, you don't go in for, I mean, you, you don't, you don't even go to bed. You just go straight to the office after eating dinner or something. That's horrendous. I don't even want to think about it. I'm going to swiftly get off this subject. So Denny, let's start getting into your experience with fantasy football and how that became a big thing for you. Yeah. uh, So I, I got into fantasy because I am at my first job ever uh at a school i worked at a a little paper a little newspaper called the gazette which is now defunct and um the sports editor his name is ken was looking for one last person to fill the last spot in the office fantasy league and you know he was looking around and i and i originally said no 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 i'm not interested and then you know he was he was like please please just give it a try so i was like you know what I know a lot about football. I watch football. I can dominate this game. It'll be easy. So I sign up and my first two picks ever in a fantasy league were back to back now, Dante Culpepper when he was with the Dolphins and Chris Chambers. Oh God, what a disaster. (laughs) You can see that that season went uh, completely downhill from there. And I think I won two games that year. So that was my start in fantasy. And then later on, several years later, after my 
obsession just just reached crazy you know crazy levels i wrote an article that i shopped around to several sites and um i think that it was you know a real a real harbinger of things to come because um my first article fantasy article was about isaiah Pede. so oh. uh and it was a it was a touting isaiah Pede as a must-have <laughs> must <laughs> and so that so anyway I, I gave the I gave the article to Isaiah, who now works at the McDonald's across the street, and he likes it. So that's <laughs> beautiful, isn't it? Ironic too that like now you obviously like I mentioned up top to anybody who doesn't who isn't familiar with you, like you know you co-host a, a podcast about you know living the stream, like streaming quarterbacks, streaming tight ends, and your first ever fantasy pick was uh, like not only a, a quarterback but terrible <laughs> one. <laughs> a terrible one. <laughs> that's that is that's beautiful. You know, I did just just to throw a little bit of my own terribleness in there. My first, like my first fantasy team ever, I drafted Drew Brees in the second round. And then before I'd even taken a second wide receiver, I took Tony Romo. I had no <laughs> idea what I was <laughs> no idea what I was doing. I, I took a defense in like the fourth round and was like, yes, solid. I mean, I Gotta had, have that. I had no idea what was happening. None. Hmm. Oh, that's, that's so funny. So how did you get into writing about fantasy football? Not, you know, obviously like, you had a fun start there, and then you, you, how does the how does the writing part of it come into play? Yeah, so I mean, I've always i've 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 always written stuff. I mean, just just from uh, you know my earliest memories as a kid, I was just into writing. I wrote stuff on my um, on my mom's typewriter, <laughs> which tells you oh, wow. it makes you feel pretty old. But yeah, uh, and I you know I'd write all sorts of things. That when we when we eventually got a PC. I, I wrote uh, fictional stories. Of course, they were fictional about uh, the Dolphins winning the Super Bowl, <laughs> which is the, which is uh, will be fictional probably for a long time. But anyway, I I would write like game stories, you know, like um, like I would try to try to mimic what I saw, you know, in the Washington Post and the Baltimore Sun, some of that sports writing. Um, so yeah, so you know, writing has always been a thing for me, and then. You know, so you mix that with this obsession with fantasy football. And, um, you know, I was just like, I, I feel like I have to start writing about it. So I I didn't think it would go anywhere. Um, and uh, But, you know, I submitted that one article to thefakefootball.com. My friend uh, Chet Gresham picked it up. Mm-hmm. And from there, I just started writing a few more articles. And and then I was writing more than I could have ever thought, ever, ever, ever wanted to write, really. Uh, and, uh, so that's, that's sort of, sort of how it, uh, how it went from zero to a hundred pretty quickly in, in the fantasy writing landscape. What's that, what is that like the, the zero to 100? Cause I, I can remember that kind of at, at different points too. It's, it definitely changes the way you feel about football and, and the whole process of it in general. Does it not? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, I think, I think the, the one thing that I, I regret a little bit is making a hobby that I, that I was really pa- passionate about that I am still passionate about making it feel like a, like drudgery, you know, like, like a, like a really difficult job because I had taken on, I at one point I took on so much. I think I was writing in 2012 and 13, I was writing like six weekly articles and with a full-time job, it was just, it was, it was, it was a ton. And I, I was feeling, you know, completely burned out, which is why I've scaled back, um, you know, in the, in the seasons after that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, just getting back to your question, it, it makes it completely different. 
the way that you view the game, uh, the way that you uh, run your own teams. I mean, mm. one thing I think every fantasy writer has learned is it is 100% always best to follow the advice that you put out in public. You, you, you have to do that because A, you have to stick to your guns and, and go with what, you know, with, with what you're touting. But B, if you go against what you're saying in a league and it, it burns you, it'll eat you up. And then vice versa, uh, uh, you know, you, you, just, you just do not, not want to do that. So it, it changed the way that I manage my teams as, as well. It made me more uh, strident in the way that, that, you know, that I approached a, a strategy you know, for, for, for managing those teams. So it changed everything. That's interesting. And I guess I've never thought about that, but I def, I mean, I definitely do that probably inherently, but there, like there's certainly, cause I don't know for me, like, and this is a, this is actually an interesting debate to have. Like, do you think it's more important for a fantasy writer to be a good writer or good at fantasy football and be like more, be accurate? What, think, what's your stance on that? Yeah, I think you, uh, it's, um, I think I would take a good analyst over someone who is dominating every league that they're in. Um, someone who can tell, you know, t- in, a, in a cogent, uh, uh, succinct way, y- you can tell people, this is, this is how I see this situation and, and how you can take advantage of it or how to manage this situation, it, wh- whether it's in season or preseason, whatever it is. Um, I, I think that that's, that's a different skill than just going into a league with, with some people and just crushing them and winning championships. I, I just, I don't think that, that everybody can put their, um, put their strategies and their way of approaching the game into, into words for people. Um, those, those just sometimes don't translate. So, uh, you know, I've been in, look at you and I have been in leagues with, with guys that we really looked up, really look up to still and, and looked up to when we were younger, uh, in the fantasy writing game. And you know what? They they lose. You know mm-hmm. they lose. I'm in I'm in leagues. I lose. You lose. You know it it just it just happens. So uh, you know none of us are perfect. But I think that I don't think that necess- that being great at fantasy football translates to being a great analyst. Is what I'm saying. I guess. Yeah, and I, I pretty much completely agree with that. And this is a question that I had to face a lot more this year. Being like my job title is now officially fantasy football you know writer. And that, you know, and obviously like I work for a big site now, uh, you know, whereas before I can always, you know, I mean, that wasn't my sole purpose was a fan. It was for fantasy. I was doing other stuff, too. But so now I kind of had to, you know, face that sort of quandary myself. And I got a lot of I would even engage with some listeners and be like, look, I don't think like my I think my job, my job is, is as a writer, like and it's to write good, engaging things that you read. And, you know, whether that the good like the good fantasy advice, I guess, is kind of like you know, that's gravy. And I mean, I'm good. Like I am good at fantasy. I do win leagues and that's not like, I'm not making excuses because of that, but I do think there's like a, an interesting dynamic between what people think their fantasy analysts should be. Well, yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I, I think, you know, when I was in my first, uh, uh, you know, like, like pro league with, with a bunch of guys from like Roto world and, and, you know, Fox sports and a couple of, people from CBS and I, I was, first of all, I was incredibly intimidated, <laughs> like, like yeah. just like bowled over intimidated uh, because I had been like, I, I would, I would sit, sit at my computer back in the day and I would refresh, hit refresh 
like every three minutes to wait for, you know, columns written by these guys. Like, you know, mm-hmm. like like Evan Silva's uh, breakdown, uh, weekly game by game breakdown, the the matchups column, or uh, Chris Wessling, his his former Roto uh, uh, Roto World column. You know, like I I would sit there and and uh, and you know really look forward to this stuff and eat it up, read every word, and then so to be in a league with them. I mean, first of all, I had, you know, I had freaked out to my wife and I was like, Oh my God, you won't believe it. Um, and, and then, but secondly, I was, you know, it also made them look more human to me. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that that's an experience that not many people will have. So I feel, I feel lucky. I feel lucky to have had it. Yeah, I agree. And there, there's definitely been some of that since I've gotten into the industry too. And like the one thing I always tell that, and this is probably something else this off season. I'm doing a lot. I say this a lot. I got on the podcast. You're like, I'm going to write about this. I'm just trying to do more like general thought experiments when, with my writing. Cause I've got more time to do it now since, since this is my job. Yeah. Um, but like one thing I've wanted to write about is like, why like actually put into words this sort of thought process and why the term fantasy expert or whatever, like why that kind of rubs me the wrong way. It's because like, and for me, it's because like any like literally anybody could do this like and I don't I, like that's my thing I think that like I don't find myself like special because this is my job like the or like I don't find myself to be a better like I don't have better fantasy opinions than any you know any guy that's really good at playing fantasy it's just I just I I'm a I you know I would maybe vain to say but I'm a good writer and like I feel like I communicate things well and I have you know that's my skill set that I have that I feel like has me employed, not because I know when things are. And there are guys that are more accurate in the industry, and that's fine. But it's just that's not my game. Yeah, well, I mean, I think I think being being uh, incredibly accurate is a whole other skill set, honestly. Yeah. You know, um, and and kudos, you know, to the people year in and year out who are the most accurate rankers and and preseason rankers and in season. I mean, that's. That's something I I don't even make ranks anymore because a it was just eating up so much time during the week and uh, and the people need their kicker columns Matt that's true so um, anyway but that that to me is a different skill set than like you said being a good communicator and saying this is why I think you know you know this or that about about a, a team or a situation or. Um, you know, whatever, whatever the case may be. I, I think that, that that's especially true for like, you know, for in-season stuff when things are going a hundred miles an hour and it's hard to really, you know, it's like, it's like drinking from like a, like a faucet, you know? I mean, it's, it's, it, that, all the information is just pouring out there. So, you know, to be, to be a good communicator in that situation, uh, that is a skill. It just, and, and not everybody has it and that's okay, you know? Yeah. And that's why I think I, why I welcome more people with opinions in the industry, why I welcome more voices. And I think that's a good thing. Cause so many of us are different, like good at different things. Like Danny, you're good at things that I'm not good at. And you know, I'm good at things that somebody else is not good at and that sort of stuff. So that's why I think it's important. And I just think that's interesting because I do think that sometimes there is kind of like a miscommunication between like what I feel my job is and what I feel like some of my readers think my job is or whatever. And, and, and that's been less and less, but more so when I first started now, I feel like, I think people know that they're just going to get stupid, you know, whatever from me. (laughs) So, you know, well, you know, you're talking, I think what you're saying is that you will tell people about your process in evaluating a player or a team or a situation. Um, but that won't be perfect. Like you won't be a hundred percent accurate on that. 
And, and that's, that's fine. I mean, you know, we're, no, no one is, we all have huge whiffs. Okay. We, we just, every season, we all have big, big whiffs and, you know, hopefully your hits outnumber your whiffs. Um, but, but that's the thing that happens. And I've read a, a lot about this in the how to think books is valuing process uh, over the results. And I, and I, I, I tend to, I think some of the feedback I get on that line is, well, that's a cop-out because you can just say, oh, you know what? The process was good. The results were bad, which I think people do. And maybe I'm guilty of doing that a time or two myself. But the important thing is to say, here was my process, and then say, maybe it wasn't good. Maybe, maybe right. my process in this situation stunk. And that's, that's, that, so that's important to recognize, too. But like you're, what you're saying is you can explain your process and and people, people like that. But the, the word expert denotes that you're going to be right all the time, which is impossible. Yeah, or just puts you on a pedestal above somebody else. When I think that like, if you gave anybody that's, you know, relatively decent at playing fantasy football, like, you know, my, again, I hate like I was a, my skills as a communicator or as a writer, you gave them that they could do my job. That's, mm-hmm. I think that's my, my point on that. And, but you, you bring up an interesting point about the process and all of that. Uh, because that is something that I, tr- you know, I try to explain to, and I feel like there is definitely some there. I do feel like there is a little bit of a cop out aspect to that. Like, oh well, you know, trust just a process and all that. But I think you're right, though. It's about consistently reviewing your process and you know being open to it being wrong. I think that's the most important thing. Um, an example on my end, like this year, is Rashard Higgins in the draft is like he's great in reception perception, but he stinks as an athlete. Like he's like not even rosterable as an NFL athlete. So in three years, if it turns out Rashard Higgins is not good, then maybe this is a you know this is a time where I would review my process, you know, and that sort of thing instead of just being well, it was a good process. The results just didn't work out because the coaches weren't using him right or whatever it is right. that the general excuse is. Sure. So and and it, it, can be, it can be overused and abused, that, that process over results thing. But the important, like I said, every, every great, you know, like, like po- in poker, process, process is incredibly important. So in poker, sometimes players will review their process and say, that was, that was horrendous process. I need to change that. And the same goes for fantasy football and, and it goes for, for us as it does for the person who plays in a casual uh, office league, you know? Certainly. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And, and Denny, you mentioned your books. So I want to talk a little bit about that. You've, you put out the, the two books. Is it just the two books now? The, yeah. yeah. So it's how to think like a fantasy football winner and how to think like a daily fantasy football winner. Yeah. Can you talk? Okay, cool. Cool. I'm glad I remember that. Um, could you kind of talk a little bit about those and, you know, how the whole process of, of writing that book and what was the motivation of it and, and how you think that helped you? Right. Uh, well, I, I, I wrote about it a little bit um, back when uh, the first one uh, published, How to Think Like a Fantasy Football Winner. It's such a mouthful. My God, that title is so long. Um, but uh, it, was a- it was after I read a book, a poker book uh, called um, Poker Winners Are Different. Um, it's, uh, by a guy with the last name is Schumacher. Uh, he's a really intelligent guy. And in this book, it was, it was all about poker. It never mentioned fantasy sports, but if you replace the word poker with fantasy sports in this book, it translated almost perfectly in the way that he was talking. He was talking about the mental approach. He, there were, there were no strategies, you know, there, there was no like 
one, two, three, four step process for how to beat your, you know, your, your poker buddies in your weekly game. It was just how, how to think about it, how to think about the game. And so I, you know, I just felt compelled. I don't know. I think that's the best word that I could find the word. I felt compelled to write about what I learned from that book. And then I, 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 I got some, some other research about, about how people make, make decisions, uh, whether it's uh, horse racing, whether it's betting, you know, uh, 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 kino players, you know, have this, have a, have a process of their own. Um, and then poker, of course. And so, you know, I interviewed some people and I just put this book together and it really, um, man, you know, that season, that's that after I wrote that book and everything was fresh in my mind, that was my best fantasy season, uh, of my life by far. And I really think that, uh, having that mindset of, of, uh, you know, of someone who really analyzes, um, how, how to, how to think about a situation, uh, is, is, is important as, as important, I think, as, um, you know, knowing how to evaluate a wide receiver who's going early in the draft, you know what I mean? Certainly. No, definitely. And there's a, there's a mindset to, to being a fantasy player that I think people, um, that people do overlook. Uh, you, you mentioned, you know, that it made you better. And, and have you gotten good feedback from, from readers as well that they've benefited from it too? Yeah. You know, I, uh, I, I joke about, uh, uh, well, I joke a lot on Twitter and I joke, and I joke a lot about the, the book and the book reviews. Some of the reviews are very, uh, Oh God. Some of the reviews. <laughs> <laughs> if you haven't yet, do, do after you listen to this podcast or even during, uh, go on Amazon and look at some of the reviews of, of Denny's books. There's some interesting yeah. ones. Yeah, they 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 get pretty caustic. And but you know, I I think that some of those some of those people besides the trolls, I think that some of those people were looking for, like I said, like a guide. Like here's how you win every fantasy football league that you enter. And you know, yeah. good luck finding that guide. But. Um, uh, so that it was something they didn't expect, but I, I have been, I have always been over the past two or three years, incredibly, uh, humbled, uh, by, by the response. It really has been, uh, a really nice thing to see. And you know, the, the book was a lot of work, so I didn't know if it would pay off at all. I mean, I self-published it on Amazon. Um, but, but it, it really, it, it has paid off in, in this way. People read it. And they recognized some. They took. They had some takeaways. They wrote about it. They tweeted about it. And it made me. Uh, it made me happy that I wrote it. And um, and I, I really couldn't ask for for more. I asked a bunch of. I've asked a bunch of my fantasy writing friends if they would re- review it and put it on Amazon. And and all of them did, down to a person. So it was. Uh, it really. The the community was 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 very good to me, and I I still appreciate it a lot. What goes into the process of of self-publishing a book. And I ask this perhaps selfishly as somebody that would like to self-publish something someday. You know, honestly, uh, as far as writing goes, it, you can't look at it all as one big gargantuan thing. You know, if you, if you think about the fact that you, you want to write, you know, I think, um, how to think the first, how to think was like, like 13,000, 14,000 words. If someone had told me, write 14,000 words about fantasy football, I would be like, that's impossible. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to have a heart attack right here. Uh, uh, but, but I, well, all I did was, uh, you know, I got up before my day job and I wrote 
sometimes only 500 words a day. I mean, it, you know, it's not like I was like pumping out. I'm, like, I'm not like Stephen King sitting here, you know, pumping out like, <laughs> like, like 4,500 words in one sitting. Um, it, it was, you know, 500 words here, 800 there, 1,000 there, 200 sometimes, depending on, depending on A, how I was feeling, and B, uh, the amount of research that, that, that writing required. So, uh, so, you know, really just chipping away until you have the, the finished product. Um, and then, you know, uh, for me, I'm not really technically sound as far as, you know, uploading a book <laughs> to, to Amazon, but, uh, after a while and some help from friends, I, I got that done. Uh, but really if you just look at it as one little piece at a time, you know, you can get it done. Yeah. I think that is, that is really the most intimidating part about, you know, putting together any sort of big piece of content like that is, is breaking it up into, into different parts and, um, yeah, it's, it's hard. And I think that's something that, that people don't, uh, the mental hurdle that people aren't able to cross, um, myself included, to be honest with you, it's a, uh, it's a strenuous process. But. It is, it is. And you know what, even when you're in the middle of it, even when you finished half of it, it or, or, or thereabouts, it's still, uh, very daunting. I, 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 I remember there were days, there were days where I was like, I can't believe I'm still in this chapter. I'm never going to get off this chapter, but yeah, it's, it, you, you eventually do. And, and, uh, and then, and then you, you finish it up and, and if, and if people, you know, read it and, and, and enjoy it, there's nothing better. Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, it's all worth it in the end, I would imagine. Um, you mentioned your, your day job. If, what is your day job and, and does it kind of conflict at all with fantasy football or, or writing? Well, um, I, I edit for, uh, several publications. I, I like a freelance editor. Um, and, uh, uh, it, it ranges from, you know, social issues to politics, economic issues. Uh, and so I really churn out, you know, it depends on the day, but sometimes, you know, I edit like seven or eight stories in a day and, and, you know, these stories can be, you know, pretty rough on the edges. So it's uh, uh, something that requires a lot of tedious work. Um, you know, when I first started uh, fantasy, uh, I think, and I, and I, I don't, I don't doubt that I'm, uh, you know, I'm alone in this, uh, endeavor, but I would, I would like pump out fantasy articles at work and I didn't care. And, and, but th this was, this was when I was working at like a little paper in Bethesda, Maryland. And I would, I would get my work done like, like real, like before noon. And then I would just take the afternoon and just like, like pump out like two or three articles as you know, and, and send them out. And uh, so that was that was a, a, a risky but definitely worthwhile endeavor. <laughs> and, and but now now it's it's I have too much real time work. So there is there is no fantasy writing going on in my house uh, uh, during the day, unfortunately. Mm. No, but that's important for like aspiring writers that are listening. Like if you have a job like that where you can get away with it, like. I mean, this is probably not the correct advice to give or whatever. You Don't tell your employer I'm telling you this, but yeah. it's important to use that time because it is a giant grind. And at my first job, when I got out of college, when I what, that I was in when I decided, oh, what the hell, I'll cancel all my life plans and try to be a football writer. Um, I could do that at that job. And then my second job that I eventually took, I couldn't, I couldn't do any, any of that because it was one-on-one -on -one client, in, like client interaction the entire time. So there was at no point unless I was to be a real, cause they were, you know, intellectually disabled adults, unless I was to, you know, commit a lot of crimes and like 
or you guys sit over there, I'm going to write this article and be terrible. That would, that would be horrible. And I didn't, I never did that. So there, it, when you have that time and it was a big stressor that I couldn't do work at my real my couldn't do my fake work at my real work. Uh, no, no. I listen, I I'm with you. Cause then I took another job that I was, I was at that job for six months where I couldn't do any of it. And it was excruciating because I got so used to, you know, being able to do stuff during the day. And yeah, and I, I would say this to, to young writers who maybe have an office job. I, I never felt bad about it because honestly, I would get, I would do everything that I needed to do, like, and, and, you know, satisfact in a, in a satisfactory way, in a way that my bosses liked and told me that was, it was good. And then I would start with the fantasy stuff. You know what though? That was instead of watching, I don't know, Friday the 13th trailers on, right. uh, on, <laughs> on YouTube or reading Gawker for two hours. So, uh, you know, it's, it's something that I wanted to be productive. Yeah. I think that was actually JJ ironically that said that in his episode was like thinking about how much time you legitimately waste yeah. and using like at your job that you're wasting and using that in order to be productive towards your, you know, your goal as a, as a fantasy writer, or as a writer or whatever, it, it, it really is eye opening just how much time you waste. And, and, and I was, and at that time I was really, my goal in life was to be like a full-time fantasy football writer. It's not the case a- anymore, but at the time that that was, that's what I was going for completely. And uh, so I felt like it was a good investment, you know, with, with the time, the free time that I had. So what changed your perspective to, to realizing I don't want to do this? Yeah, that, that's a good question. And I think it has to do with a couple of things. You know, I, I don't, I don't begrudge, you know, people who, who do fantasy sports for a living They're you know, like, like, like you, Matt, uh, you guys are, are great and you are living the dream of, you know, as you know, hundreds of thousands probably of, uh, of people out there. And, uh, and, and, and that's awesome. But I, I just, I lost, uh, somewhere along the way, I just lost that like fiery passion for, for wanting to do this full time, you know, for like, for making it a job. And I think part of it was I started, I started to hate the game. Mm. Um, and, and because of the, the time demands that it was putting on me and the work demands and the fact that I felt tied down to it because of it all the time. And I, I didn't want that to be the case. So I, I had to, I, I had to make the conscious decision to step away a little bit about two years ago and I still write, I mean, you, you, you see me during the season, I write stuff and put it out uh, on Twitter, but it's not nearly what I used to do. And that's really just for supplemental type type writing. Uh, so I, I, um, doing the fantasy thing was making me hate the game and I didn't want to do that. No. And that makes complete sense because I think if you are chasing this, you know, if you're chasing that dream or whatever, it really does have to be like, an obsession, but obsessions can be incredibly unhealthy. And when it does become an unhealthy thing, I think that's a good signal that, yeah, it's, it's time to step away. And I think that's, you know, something we've talked about in, in several episodes. And I do think it's really important. Um, you know, it's something that even like even doing it full time now, I, and I've said this openly on the podcast, like I, you know, I'm open to the reality that this might not be the thing, like, even though this was, this is my dream and I, I am the luckiest idiot in the world. Um, that it like maybe it's not something that I'll do forever because it's 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 it is difficult and yeah, yeah. 
And, and yeah, and that and that's good that you that you've had that thought. I don't think that many people in your position would even uh, uh, consider that. How, how old are you, Matt? Twenty four. You're incredibly young. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm 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 thirty two. Just to give you some perspective, I started writing fantasy uh, hashtag content when I was uh, twenty seven, and yeah. um, and you know by the time I was thirty, I was like, man, you know, I like you know. I want to like fantasy football again, so I need to get away from it a little bit. And, and, and also, also, I don't know, and, 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 you know, don't take this the wrong way or anything, and, you know, people listening to this podcast who do this for a living, but I don't know if I could have been satisfied just writing fantasy sports. I, I, I don't know if, if, that, if that could have really, like, made me – made me truly content with what I was doing, you know, with, with my everyday life. I, and you, you make several good points there that align, you know, to, to kind of, to, to me and my experience, like for one, you're right. I'm, I'm younger and like things happen very quickly for me, which is why I, which is why I don't talk. I try, I'm, you know, I have one of the many reasons why I've not told my story in full is because I know that mine's incredibly unique. Like I did just decide I'm going to do this and it, it, it happened very, 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 very quickly. Um, and so don't take my example, take these other people's, like, especially people like yourself. And like we had Eric Stoner on the show who talked about like, just realizing not wanting to do this. That's why I think it's important because I don't have that perspective in my arsenal. Like I never got to that point where I was burnt out. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've had been at points where I'm like, this is annoying, but never like that. I have to stop sort of perspective. And then, and then also you mentioned, you know, Sometimes, and I'll say this as somebody that does this full time now, like I have that thought, like, am I like, what the hell am I doing? Like, is this, you know, and I've, I've, I've had listeners actually, which is, if you have, you know, I really appreciate that. that I've said this like on, on Eric's episode about like, am I really making any sort of difference or like, I came from a job where I was doing social work, you know, like that it's a, it's a big step to, to, to be like giving to people literally every moment of your job to then like, I work for the NFL and all that entails. Yeah. Um, that's all I'll say on that, <laughs> but there, so there's a big difference there. So it is, it is definitely, I want to convey that to people that it's a conscious like struggle. Like, yes, yes, it is. I, I think, and you know what, there, there is a wonderful strain of just conscientious people who run through the fantasy fantasy circles. I, I, and I want to say there's a wonderful strain of progressivism that runs through it. Mm. Uh, and, and I don't mean that strictly in like a, like a, like a hundred percent political sense where, you know, it's, you know, like team liberal versus conservative. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm just talking about people who want to contribute, uh, their efforts to making the world a less horrible place. And, uh, and I think that I see that a lot. I, and I have, I've always seen that in fantasy circles on Twitter and it gives me, you know, it makes me feel good uh, um, about about being in that in that community. Uh, is it a perfect community? I think we all know the answer to that. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> Should have seen it today. It was kind of a rough day on 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 the internet. It was. I I saw I, I saw some of that uh, and quickly uh, logged out. But yeah, um, you know the, But yeah, so I think you know people. Uh, they're, they're former teachers. You know, uh, you did social work. Uh, you know, people who um, I think, you know, were, were just, were there to help others. And, and, um, and, you know, they also have a great in, interest in fantasy sports and that, and that's great, but it really does make me feel good about the whole, um, the whole community. Yeah, I'd agree with you. And I think it is kind of a, a nice contrast to, 
some of like old sports writer like mentality i think that's a cool thing about fantasy like writers in general is you know that very progressive mindset and that actually kind of segues me into my next thing i want to discuss with you denny um you you're very like you've mentioned your your twitter personality and all that and before we get to kind of the 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 funnier parts of that and and what like what all goes into that you're very open kind of about and we're facebook friends too so you're more open about it there but you're more open about you're pretty open about your beliefs on on twitter whereas I t- like if there are, I mentioned this on the last podcast that I'm ranked, like there are some things I like will talk about openly that if I believe in, but there are other things like I kind of hold back from, but what, what makes you more comfortable to be able to kind of convey that or, or maybe comfortable is not the right word, care less enough to not uh, to do that. Sure. Sure. Yeah. You know, I, if I were in your position that um, I, I, I don't know if, if I would, if I would go the route that I go currently <laughs> with, with uh, political takes um, just because, you know, because of, you know, your employer, your, um, uh, you know, the way that you're year round, like t- fantasy professional. And that, and that's, that's awesome. That's I, something that professional. I, yeah, I, right. I, I, use, <laughs> I use that in quotes. you know, between, be, look at between takes disparaging peanut butter, you also talk about receivers. So, um, <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, uh, getting back to the, yeah. So I, there was only so long that I could be on Twitter and not, and, 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 you know, and, and pretend, pretend who, you know, to pre- pretend to be somebody else. People, I think that I'm pretty open about, uh, about who I am. I'm not, com- to be honest, I'm not completely, 100% open. Like, I think people think they know me on Twitter and, and I would say that you probably, you probably don't know, don't know everything. So <laughs> that, that's just, I don't know. That's just how I feel about, about the, the following. But uh, as far as politics go, there was only so long that I could pretend not to care about, about political issues and, and put it out there. And you know what? Uh, you know, 20 years ago to even 10 years ago, I wouldn't have had a forum to do that. I, I, I don't know where I would be writing these hot takes. In fact, you know what? I would just be spouting off to my wife probably <laughs> with these takes. So, so, you know, to put it out in the ether and, and get a response is, is, is gratifying. And, you know, I, I feel at least sometimes like worthwhile. Like, I'll tell you one thing. Okay, last week I started talking about Pat Tillman, okay? Uh, uh, and you know, the, the former NFL player who, um, was killed by a friendly fire, um, in Afghanistan, uh, a long time back. And I, I tweeted out some stuff about, about his, his death and about his legacy and about the things that he said and the things that he wrote. And people were genuinely surprised. They had no idea that, that Pat Tillman had, had, uh, uh, said and, and written these things before he died. And so I felt, I felt good about sharing that, you know, and it, I wasn't trying to be overtly political and I know it came off as political and, it, but you know, as a sidebar, everything is political, by the way, mm. every mm. single thing in your life is political. Um, so, so, but, but th- those are the kind of the tweets and takes that I, I, I don't mind sharing, even if there's some blowback, I'm fine with it. Yeah. What's it like dealing with that blowback though? Like what, what is your approach to that? I try to, I try to ignore, I try to ignore, man. Good Lord. It, but it's, <laughs> it's, it's hard sometimes. I, 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 I struggle with it, but you know, for me, I'm, I'm such a, uh, 
I get, I go, I go from uh, completely unemotional to completely emotional very quickly. And mm-hmm. so I can't, you can't think of, of good responses. Like you can't respond correctly to somebody when you're tilting off your chair with, you know, all these, you know, thoughts of, of, you know, outrage. I get so outraged. Right. So, uh, so I, I, I try not to respond, but sometimes like, on, like on Facebook, we say we're Facebook <laughs> on Facebook. I jump into that bees hive sometime beehive and I, I get stung a thousand times. Yeah. I try to avoid, uh, Facebook. Facebook's even worse than Twitter, oh, to be oh, honest with you. It's it's a cesspool. It's a cesspool of misinformation and half truths. Facebook, here's my hot take on Facebook. Facebook's the worst thing to ever happen to American democracy. There, I said. <laughs> that is that is a fiery take. Um that's <laughs> bad enough that it's already like a you know perfect stalking mechanism for all your terrible friends and your ex-girlfriends and all that sort of stuff. The fact it's ruined democracy too. That's a no, but that. But I see your point, though, and and what what that does mean. I mean, the, look at the things that my that my relatives are sharing about <laughs> the so called bathroom bill. You know. Oh God. I well, mean, that's that's the one recently that because um, my you know my family's from North Carolina, uh, and I hope to. I've you know one of the. One of the outcomes of my life is that I move back to that I move there and 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 like I you know live in Asheville and go into the mountains and never talk to anybody ever again about fantasy football, um, so, but so it's a very like per, that and you know the fact that it's North Carolina and also like that is one of the issues that I have no problems like speaking mm-hmm. out about and so I recently did tweet about that and like had to like not like got several negative responses like I can't I just can't do it you know yeah and and you know it's just it. The, the, the kind of information that's shared about a very complex topic like that is so, is so damaging. I just, I, you know, it's, it's damaging to people, to institutions, you know, it's just, uh, that, that's why Facebook drives me nuts. I don't, you know, look at people tell me to delete my Twitter account all the time. I'm much closer to deleting my Facebook account. <laughs> I'll be honest. Yeah. Oh, I got off Facebook for a good, like half year. And then I got this job out here in LA and I was like, damn, if I don't have a Facebook, I'm like never going to talk to several of these people again. So I got back on and regretted it every day since, but (laughs) face this podcast, not sponsored by uh, Facebook, but it is sponsored by reality sports online. Um, And if you ever wish you could be an NFL general manager, because you can with reality sports online, a powerful fantasy sports platform where owners get to build and manage their fantasy team, like an NFL general manager, reality sports online was designed by former NFL front office personnel and features a revolutionary free agency auction room, which mimics actual NFL free agency, enabling owners to compete against each other to negotiate and sign with the NFL's top talent to single or multi-year contracts. The platform can host up to 32 teams and has tons of other cool features in addition to free agency, like a rookie draft, multi-team trades, franchise tags, injured reserve, automated contract and salary cap functionality, and much, much more. Test your general manager skills by visiting realitysportsonline.com today and participating in a mock free agency auction. If you like what you see, use the promo code BYB10 to receive a 10% discount on your team or league today. Fantasy just got real at realitysportsonline.com. Speaking of real things, Denny, let's get to the real issues that people want to hear about from you. And that's that's the hashtag brand. And I, I say this like somewhat facetiously as somebody like – 
real. I mean, just to, to be honest, like somebody that I guess I kind of have a, a, well, I definitely have a hashtag brand too. I won't be modest about it, but like, you know, there's a lot of jokes, like there's, there's jokes thrown around about that. And it's obviously like, I think you and I both like say it to not take ourselves seriously, but why is that important though, in, in the terms of establishing yourself? Yeah. So it, I, you know, uh, the only reason I started talking about that, that branding thing was because like once I had stopped pursuing uh, fantasy sports as a full-time uh, full-time gig, then I was like, you know, what I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to be completely unserious for most of the time that I'm on here now. And, and I think, uh, but I think the branding is important for for you know young or new uh, fantasy writers and and uh, you know before I started using the hashtag brand on Twitter and st- joked about it, I really did try to establish myself as someone who people could look to for advice on streaming defenses and streaming tight ends, and that was it. That was it. That was my thing. Uh, it was a it was a very niche thing, and I, like I'm not saying that I'm the only one writing about those things. But in 2012, it was a very as a, a fairly unique uh, piece of the uh, pie to 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 focus on. Um, uh, so I I only wrote about those things. I almost only tweeted about those things, um, and I wanted to carve out a niche and be known for being good at something. I. I, I wrote a, an article for Roto World in uh, August 2012 that um, that really did a lot for my brand. I mean, I've, you know, that's just it's just I wanted a brand, and that helped me get you know secure some sort of branding. Whereas, like, oh yeah, that's the that's the streaming tight end guy. That's the streaming defense guy. I wasn't known for anything else. You know, quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, nothing. Okay, so and but but. To to strive to strive to be be good at everything puts you at risk of of, of going full J Lo, which is uh, uh, be uh, dabbling in everything and being good at nothing. <laughs> okay, so sorry to all the Jennifer Lopez truthers out there, but I mean it's true. I mean, I wonder if there's any crossover between Jennifer Lopez truthers and listeners to this podcast. None, none. But but I mean, but it, I I really I really believe that to be true. If you try to be great at everything, to be like the man at writing every kind of fantasy article, to uh, even you know what I, I see people even trying to be like like legit experts on on many sports, on all positions, on oh movies, on TV, on books, on the you know media. I mean, you you at some point you you gotta you gotta you know let go and say I'm not an expert on everything. <laughs> it's just just this one. So, so young guys out there, young, young people, sorry, young people out there find a niche and go for it. That's what I say. Yeah. I think that's super important. Um, but also like being kind of self-deprecating about it is, is important too. And I, I try to, I try to do the same thing, you know, with reception perception or the dog and all that sort of stuff, <laughs> you know, whatever it is like being a little, a little joking about it too. Cause I think that's important for you to, to your audience to see. You don't take yourself too seriously. Look it, at hundred percent. And I, I, by the way, I think you do a really good job with that, with, with being just self-deprecating enough because 
uh, if you go too far, you end up like me, where I have like a joke account now. <laughs> and thinks, and even when I like tweet something serious, people are like, "Ha ha!" Like, I wasn't trying to be funny. That was like, <laughs> like a real- oh, when you tweeted the th- the picture with you and your son the other day, and and like people still are tweeting back. He's probably singing about dad deleting his account. Like, I know. Someone, <laughs> someone someone put a Jordan face on my son. <laughs> as an advocate for the crying jordan face completely 100 percent the biggest supporter you'll find i that's too far (laughs) (laughs) i was like no that was hilarious that made me maybe like like ugly laugh that was that was very so good but yeah you're right that is true (laughs) i'm not sure you can say many more serious things on twitter i mean you have parody accounts for god's sakes I oh man the parody accounts they they they've definitely fizzled out lately and that's well that's fine but oh my god two years ago about it was out of control it was like sixteen parody accounts at one point it's crazy about like so many different things too whether it was the corn or the uh, yeah. it was like a GOPD Carter <laughs> yeah there was a communist one there was a, I think it was a CCCCPD Carter or something I don't know what it was jeez. Oh, People are, yeah, I'm glad I'm not at that point. Uh, I hope to never be. Oh, and then there was, well, I just saw one the other day. It was uh, uh, Ber- or Denny Sanders or Bernie Carter. I, I forget oh, which geez. one. But it was, yeah, it was me as me as Bernie, naturally. Yeah, all well, that makes sense uh, in so many ways. Um, Denny, talk about the food takes. Let's just get into that while we're kind of closing out here. Yeah. Um, well, what tell tell the audience what it, what is it all about? Is it is it real or is it is it fake? Are you just trying to ins, 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 you know incite a riot on Twitter? Uh, look, I, yes, it, it, part of it is part of it is shtick. I mean, I don't I don't only eat corn, okay, for instance. <laughs> um, but it, you know what? It started it started as this. It, this is how okay Thanksgiving episode of Living the Stream. JJ was going on and on about all the food that he loves at, at, at Thanksgiving dinner. And he's going to eat this and that and blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, and he was like, what's your favorite dish? And I was like, I don't, I don't know. I don't like Thanksgiving dinner. It's just kind of mad to me. He was like, what are you, what are you talking about? Mad? It's the greatest meal ever. I was like, it's, I don't know. Turkey's not good. Um, uh, the, the cranberry sauce should go straight into the garbage. Disposal. Oh, that I agree with. I don't like that. <laughs> shit one bit. <laughs> so anyway, I just thought it was, you know, it was like racking my brain. I was like, I like corn and then that took off like, you know, like a rocket and suddenly I was the corn guy. <laughs> so I just, I just went with it. But, but, but truly, truly now I do have very plain taste in, in food. And so like I can eat for, for lunch, I can eat like, like peanuts and almonds and like seltzer water and I'm good. Mm. <laughs> that is pretty horrendous. <laughs> <laughs> But it is funny, like, I mean, <laughs> people get legitimately, like, upset with you when you when you bring this stuff up. Because I, I do it, too. Like, I mean, the peanut butter thing for me is that will never fail to not light my mentions completely on fire if I bring up the fact that I can't stand peanut butter in any sense of the word. Yeah. <laughs> there's, never, there's never a time. But, but people get serious. I mean, food takes... That's more serious than like politics, Twitter. Oh yeah, no, people are so serious about food and people are so serious about steak. My God, steak Twitter is out of control. <laughs> I mean, you, you, talk about, you talk about passionate, people are passionate about, about some freaking steak. Uh, here's why I hate steak. And I think I may have shared this on Living the Stream, but I'll tell you real quick. 
my parents back in the 90s went on the Atkins diet. Do you remember that? Oh, God. Yeah, I remember hearing about you that. May, you may be a little young for that. But the, the Atkins diet was 100% carbohydrate. Wait, no. No, it was no carbohydrate diet. Yeah. No carbohydrate. And it was just basically just meat. And so you had a bunch of baby boomers just gobbling up meat all day and eating nothing else, which, of course, that's a very nice, balanced, and good diet, obviously. <laughs> um, but my so my mom would buy like boxes of steak and that's all we would eat so after a long time of eating steak i got sick of it and i still am sick of it i went to a steakhouse with my wife's family one time like six years ago and i got chicken oh god and they were belly laughing at me like like all like 10 people were like dying rolling over on the floor almost laughing at the guy who got chicken <laughs> at a steakhouse. So, so I, I do stick, I do stick with these takes in, in IRL, by the way. Yeah. Well, that is impressive. Um, yeah, I can legitimately say I, I actually don't like peanut butter and, and right now I'm on an incredibly boring diet that would put half these people to sleep listening right now. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I got to do a big fight the other day about about Twitter and or on Twitter about food or whatever. And normally, then I'll just post like a picture of me when I was super fat and be like, "I'm gonna stick with what I like," <laughs> and it doesn't look like that anymore. Um, I, I saw you did that the other day, right? Yes, I did. Yeah, I, I will. I will do that every once in a while when someone insults my food takes. I'm like, "No, nah, there's a reason. I don't look like that anymore." <laughs> um, but no, it is. It's funny, and and it does keep. Uh, you know, like we said, like this shit is not something you should take too seriously, you know? And I think uh, having stuff like that, whether it's being, you know, self-deprecating about the, about the brand or, you know, having food takes or something like that, something else you're known for besides football is important in my opinion. It is. And you know what? I took me a long time to, to, to get that, honestly. I mean, like I was on Twitter for a long time before I understood that like people, like in order to gain an audience, you know, you really needed to go beyond, you know, this tight end is a solid play for this week in 12 team leagues. You know, I mean, it's just you, you people, people want to know, people want to know you, they do. And, and so if you never give them a window into who you are, uh, then yeah, I don't think that you'll be able to really grab that following. Yeah. I think that is an incredibly underrated piece of advice and something I can certainly not endorse enough from my own personal experience, but, you know, speaking of, of good advice, Denny uh, closing out here, kind of, I always give the the guest one last chance to have the floor before I yank it out from under you. If you want to say anything before we get out of here, you know, whether it's to aspiring writers that might be listening or just in general, before we sign off, the floor is yours. Sure. Uh, well, I'll start out with a shameless plug DraftDayConsultants.com. <laughs> <laughs> Check it out. Uh, that's, that's my, my baby. Uh, so, uh, yeah, besides that, I, I really, I think that the, the best advice that I could give to, to fantasy writers out there who are, who are looking for a foothold and, and, and this is a different industry than it was when I was coming up back in the, you know, late seventies, uh, no, you know, five years ago, seems like a long time, but uh, it's, uh, there are, there are a lot of niches that are covered now, you know, it, it's, it's not like the, the stone age. I mean, uh, the niches are really have, have been filled with the, I think the important thing is to a, like I said, 
Don't try to be everything to everyone all the time. You that you will fail. Yeah, that that is not a sustainable, you know, model uh, for success. And 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 B is is do not fall victim to uh, to wanting to please the cr- like the crowd. You know, whether it's the crowd of fantasy people who are following you on Twitter or the crowd of of your peers who are writing for various sites. Like, don't don't be afraid. Uh, to say what you mean and, and you know mean what you say um, because it might go against the grain. Uh, you know some of the some of the best honestly, there some of the best fantasy takes and advice over the years have been the ones that have been roundly rejected uh, by the fantasy community. And I'm talking about um, you know a few a couple years ago. I remember when uh, when fantasy analyst uh, Coleman Kelly was touting uh, Alshon Jeffrey over DeAndre Hopkins mm. uh, at, in redraft. And this was, he, was, he got destroyed, just destroyed. And Alshon went on to be, I think, a top 12 or top 10 wide receiver that year for Chicago. And, and you know, but his, his opinion was so far outside the norm that he, you know, he was, uh, he was attacked. So, but, but you can't be afraid. It, if you have real advice that's backed up by by you know your analysis by real legit analysis then don't be afraid don't be afraid get it out there yeah that makes a lot of sense and and i think those are good words to uh close it on so denny i really appreciate you for for coming on and joining the show and it was it was a good chat and everybody out there listening make sure you are you are, uh, you know, checking out Draft Day Consultants, not just because Denny plugged it, but also because I work there. And, hey, I mean, who doesn't like a little more Matt Harmon in their lives? Um, so, anyways, thank you, Denny, so much for coming. And, and as for the listeners, I really appreciate you guys uh, tuning in once again. If you like the show, please do consider leaving a rating or review on iTunes or any sort of feedback is always appreciated. Um, like, this thing has been a lot cooler than I really thought it was, and, and I'm really enjoying it. I'm glad you guys are, too. So, Um, Thank you all again for listening, and I hope you learned something today.